We know the joy of giving is its own reward. But who says you can't get something for yourself, too? Now when you buy vanilla Visa gift cards, you can enter to win one of over 10 prizes every week for 10 weeks, including a grand prize of $10,000 in vanilla gift cards. So get gifting and start sharing the delight for more chances to win. Go to get-gifting.com to learn more and enter for your chance to win. Cards are issued by the Bank Court Bank, Meta Bank, and Sutton Bank, members FDIC, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and may be used in the U.S. everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Terms and conditions apply. Cards distributed and serviced by Income Financial Services Inc., which is licensed as a money transmitter by the New York State Department of Financial Services. NMLS ID number NYC, and this is your host, Savannah Bailey McLean. And today is a special day for us because this week marks my fourth anniversary in producing both radio and podcasting. I know my guests did not know that. No, <laughs> congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. So I'm in the studio right now with Tiffany Ray Fisher. And Tiffany Ray Fisher is the artistic director for the Elisa Monte Dance Company. Yep, that's right. We're going to be joined shortly by also Monique Martin, who is the artistic director for Harlem Stage. But we're going to kick it off with Monique and, um, excuse me, with Tiffany to talk about a new dance that they're um, developing that will be premiering fully in 2020 Mm -hmm. and that new dance is called her and that dance her is going to honor one of several centennials that are going to take place in 2020 2020 is going to be an explosive year oh it's going to be crazy in the best way in the best way it's the centennial for the 19th Amendment, where women got the right to vote. Mm-hmm. It is the centennial of the jazz age, yes. which correlates to the 19th Amendment. It is the centennial of the Harlem Renaissance that relates to the other two centennials, and it's also a big election year, President, <laughs> Congress, however you may feel about that. (laughs) But it is going to be a very, very big year. So we're going to jump right into it with Tiffany. And I wanted to start by asking her if she could just share, you know, the journey of her artistic practice as dancer to now director of this company. Sure. I love uh, backing into this because I'm in a position that I never thought I would be in. I wasn't someone that thought I was 
going to be a dancer. I didn't know what an artistic director was. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it was something that I loved to do, and my family was very supportive of it, Good. Um, which was helpful. So uh, I was a competition kid in the East Coast. I grew up in Cal or in the West Coast. I grew up in California. Okay. So um, I didn't even know that you could go to um, like specialize or go to conservatories or college for school. But one of my friend's moms. Uh, spoke to my mom and was like, I think she should audition and, and try to level up. And I got into SUNY Purchase and it changed my life. I really thought if I was going to continue tap dance, it would be as a tap dancer. Mm -hmm. I really loved tap. But uh, when I came to New York and I discovered modern, it was a wrap. Ah. And one of the things that I love about modern dance is that um, for good, bad or indifferent, I've never felt, um, I don't know, like it was hard for me to kind of back into feeling American and modern dances are art form. It's an American art form. So okay. as where ballet came from the courts of France, you know, mm -hmm. like modern dance was born here. And so it was something that I took pride in being part of that lineage. It always made me feel very American and tied to like this place. Ah, you know, you're the first person who has ever said that to Is me. Is it true? Yeah, wow. you're the first person to say that modern dance is strictly American. So let's delve in that just just a couple of minutes. So when you say it's American dance, where do you believe it started from? In rural America, in the South, in the city streets? Where do you believe it began? I don't, uh, I mean, I'm, I don't quote me on it, but I, I think that it was, was being built equal parts on the coasts mm -hmm. because you have like Isadora Duncan doing things, you know, mm -hmm. like on the West Coast. So I think it was, I think it was built upon the coast, but I think what the Midwest and South brought to it is that like modern dance is, is, it's visceral and it's, and it's gritty, mm. you know, like it was, it was a reaction to tutus and point shoes and this, oh. you know, so there, I don't think that we can have modern dance without kind of um, that southern grit. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure how all all four regions played into it, but it but it is something that I think needed. You know, the east is very different from the west. Is very yes. different from the Midwest. Is very very different from the south. I think it is something that needed um, influence from all of those to become the actual melting pot that it is. Because even when you're looking at the major moderns there's still so much influence that's going on. And mm -hmm. so um, th that is our traditional dance. But because we are not a people, this is mm -hmm. not an, a homogenized thing, Correct. it needed all of that. And that was something that was I always found really interesting. It wasn't something, it came out of like um, demand and of the people for the people. It wasn't something that was hierarchical in theory, at least in, in the beginning. So it makes me think of the cakewalk. Mm, yeah. Okay, because if you're going to talk about these anniversaries next year and what is considered American, mm -hmm. the cakewalk, yes. which morphed into minstrel, which morphed yep. into the Charleston, which became America's first mainstream dance mm -hmm. where everyone across race was all engaged that's right. in it, which is a part of the jazz age. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm thinking of because the cakewalk was basically a response to, you know, the masters who owned slaves and the slaves were kind of making fun of their highbrow masters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a dance competition that's right. yeah. where the prize was a piece of cake. With a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. 
So we are dealing with this sort of Americana yes. sort of um, art form that we don't seem to fully understand. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because you are the first person to tell me specifically that you feel that American uh, reality, its history, its culture impacted yes. to what we now call modern dance. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, that was great. So now tell us a little bit about this particular piece, Her, that you're going to premiere in 2020. And what's different about it is that it pays homage to three black women who were playwrights but also had uh, queer lifestyles as mm -hmm. well. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think one of the things that... Um, I've always been what I'm always striving for in my work and I think as a person is to um, this idea just of freedom mm -hmm. so I lots of times my work can get categorized as things that, that like aren't black enough or aren't black themed I got or are and I think for me I don't I don't feel like people marched before so that mm -hmm. I can be put in a box mm -hmm. and I think that with these three women how they lived their lives they were just living their lives and they represented freedom to me at a time when this is like before suffrage this is before people are getting the right to vote so they were living their lives to the best of their abilities and and I there's something so inspiring about that and I think as we're continuing to push to be our better selves to find that I mean especially as a creative you can't section off parts of yourself correct and create your best work so it it inspired me to kind of push forward and be like what am I about what are all of these parts of me to kind of come together and I love I've always loved school and I've loved academics so that they were playwrights and I hadn't delved into that it gave me a different entry point into the work because I started with scripts and and um there was like one like syllabus from when um um, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Mary, that it was a syllabus from when she was a professor. You okay. know, so it's like, though it, it's it's very different. It wasn't a visual. It's not like, sometimes I'll go to a museum and I'll see something abstract and visual and that starts to, you know, give me ideas about movement or spatial patterns. These were people that existed that had a very specific ideal that um, were, were very different but supportive of each other. And, you know, from D.C. through New York, um, you know, were together and, and separate in the sense of like they were friends and they knew each other, um, but their works were very different and they had very different points of view, but the support I think that they provided because they were, there were so few of them mm -hmm. doing the work that they were doing was always really inspiring and I feel that with my, um, you know, like the Black Women ADs artistic directors now like we there is that network that exists and so I liked bringing that forward of something that I know to be true but that existed at a different time and in a different genre okay the reason I'm, I'm asking all these questions too because a lot of people are just now learning including myself in the last two years that the renaissance and since this is your piece honoring the renaissance was just as black as it was gay mm-hmm yeah. And so basically you had all of these folks who, you know, they loom large in our memories, but they really had, you know, tiered lives. And so therefore these tiered lives allowed them to express themselves fully. Right. And so um, and, and there was a lot of sensitivities at that time. And uh, um 
I think that's one of the things that I feel should be one of the, uh, the takeaways is that um, we understand that these people li try to live full lives, and right. it was complex. It wasn't that simple. That's right. And at the time, some of our heroes, uh, like W.E.D. Du Bois, felt very threatened Mm -hmm. by those various layers and just felt like we don't need another strike against us. Right. So yeah. that was one of the, the reasons why you wanted to do this particular piece, to show that it was okay to have these layers about ourselves. Absolutely, and I think that it's important for us, as even when we're thinking historical texts, like we're not a monolith. Mm -hmm. Like there's no one way to kind of go about that. So I think there is something about free to be you and me but also like yeah it's okay he really did feel that that was a threat and that's fine they both were fine everybody was fine mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. i think that there's we don't always have to agree with each other but he also didn't publicly attack there was no public feud right it's fine you know and so i think it's important especially as we're going into this 2020 to know that there's going to be lots of different opinions there's going to be lots of different things that come into this pot but we're still in the same pot great and so. joining us now is Monique Martin. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you for having me. Yes, and she is the artistic director, correct? Director of programming for Direc Harlem Stage. Director of programming for Harlem Stage. And you know, you have quite a background. I've been thank doing so a lot of research. Thank and you. Monique, she has partnered with quite a few um, distinguished organizations, Joe's Pub, the Apollo Theater, New Victory Theater, New Jersey PAP, uh, you also have dealt with HBO, Broadway, Off-Broadway, City Parks Foundation, and was the Associate Director of LMCC for River to River. So you've had quite a career. Yes, thank you. I think you, I would say my response to that is something that you said, um, well, something that struck me as you were reading off those uh, institutions is collaboration. Mm. That is at the heart of the work that I do is how can I expand my community of uh, artists, mm -hmm. of um, institutions, and how can we collaborate together. So the project that we're doing with Harlem Stage mm -hmm. and uh, Alyssa Monte Dance mm -hmm. is an example of that. Yes. Um, and that's something that's really at the core of what I do. I, I like how you say that, um, collaboration, because I really believe in that. Because nowadays, when you think of the arts today, also when you think of media today, everybody wants to know, what are the numbers? How mm. many people can you get? Uh, how do you fill the seats? And, it's, and it takes away from the artistic element that you're trying to present. And if you want to fill those seats, you need to collaborate. You need to let people know that the arts is for everyone and not just for a select few, the very wealthy. It's for everyone. So I, I really like what you said very, very much. So we were just talking about her and um, why um, Tiffany chose to develop this work. So I want to ask uh, you, Monique, how does Harlem Stage envision celebrating the centennial of the Harlem Renaissance? What does that mean for that institution? I'm looking at it as uh, 
referential. The programming that we're doing is referential to that time. It's not a nostalgic journey back in time. It's not a time capsule that we're cracking open. We're really looking at those incredible movements, uh, mm -hmm. both with social justice, although they didn't have that term at the time. Mm -hmm. But those gatherings in salons really were anchored in uh, activism, mm -hmm. uh, artistic uh, expression, mm -hmm. um, scholarship. Yes. Um, and so we want to journey with the centennial with that as the bedrock mm -hmm. and also look forward. Right. What's what, what are the renaissance renaissances? <laughs> you know, how are we how are we um, expressing the renaissance now? I feel like, you know, there's a lot of uh, black excellence and people of color doing some extraordinary work. Mm -hmm. And so if you look through uh, both film, television, theater, dance, movement, cross-discipline work. So we want to look through those lens because we know that that also happened then at that time of, the, of the Renaissance. But many of the artists didn't have the um, resources or agency to have control their own narrative. Right. So we kind of get the top layer and what we're excited about is kind of cracking that open okay. and seeing what's underneath that and how can we be inspired by that work and move the culture forward um, with that same sense of community. Mm -hmm. That's really one of the things that we see in the research of the Harlem Renaissance. It really was about community and community at a time when you know, people were under attack and under uh, some very challenging conditions, mm -hmm. and we are as well today. Well, I also like to add that, you know, the Renaissance came out of the New Negro Movement. And if we didn't have that New Negro Movement first, we would have never had a modern civil rights movement because it was the activism from the New Negro Movement where you had Marcus Garvey saying, let's go back to Africa. And you had the silent parade when they were dealing with lynching. Mm -hmm. Harlem at that time was this safe haven to kind of project you know, the voices of people of color across the country in a safe sort of way. So yeah, that activism is definitely there so that way people can understand. They didn't just do things haphazardly. They, there was a purpose behind it. And then you are absolutely right, Monique. A lot of our famous luminaries, Zora Neale Hurston, Langston Hughes, they didn't financially fare very well towards the latter parts of their lives. Zora was penniless mm -hmm. and was, you know, buried in a pauper's grave. So it was like they really were trying to push something forward, risk their own t safety in order to better the broader community. So, yes, you are absolutely correct when you're saying all of this. So now what do both of you hope for? when people see this new works, which is still in development, correct, Tiffany? That's right, yep. I mean, I think for me, I think I hope people walk away with a, with a greater sense of self and like agency over their own bodies. Mm -hmm. I think that's what these three women really encapsulate is that they made choices and moved forward and they were, uh, they stood strong in those choices. And I think, and I hope that also people t take away a sense of um, a pride in Harlem. I live in Harlem, I love Harlem. Um, but it, it was really a childhood dream to be living in this place because of everything that, that we've been talking about. Gotcha. So to be an artist living and participating um, in this culture that I've read about, dreamed about, I hope that people walk away feeling like, oh, th 
you know, feeling that sense of pride mm-hmm. reinvigorated in them. And Harlem is changing today quite a bit. Yes. Yes, there are a lot of shifts. And um, I will also add that Harlem is a place that always has had, because we talk about gentrification now, but it always has had a mixed community. Mm -hmm. Uh, People from the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. people from Africa in lesser numbers. But there's a big, such a focus on the the Harlemites that came from the South. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so, yes, we are experiencing gentrification in Harlem as we are in other uh, urban cities and across New York as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've always had to face that. Mm-hmm. And um, the culture and the work that we're doing is an opportunity to continue to amplify the value and leverage the value of the culture that has always been in Harlem and just to lift that up. And I also wanted to say, I don't think I've shared this with you, Tiffany, that um, with the E-Moves Festival that's taking place, the dance festival, we start. I started with a conversation with Tiffany about a year and a half ago, it yeah, seems like. I it's been so. a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, with my research on the Harlem Renaissance, as well as 2020 is the centennial of the women's right to vote. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the entire festival is all women choreographers. Oh, work. I love ah. that. That's fantastic. Ah. So it it really has, you know, evolved into this incredible celebration of the ferocity of women and the resilience of women and the leadership of women. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. You were. You really were. So now, um, ladies, tell me, how do you envision marketing this piece where you're reaching out to this cross-section of people that you would hope to come to Harlem Stage? One of the exciting things about um, the work that EDM, Alyssa Monte Dance is doing, and uh, other choreographers and artists, they're uh, cross-discipline. So we Mm -hmm. have artists that have live music with their pieces, Mm -hmm. film, Mm -hmm. technology, Mm -hmm. uh, um, video. So there there are entry points for everyone uh, if you are a music lover, there's something for you. If you gotcha. are a dance lover, there's something for film. Um, and really looking at how, um, when we talk about referential to the time, but also being present to where we are now, how does technology play into it? So there's some exciting work. And, and through that technology, that's another platform for us to reach out to our audience. So we're using, of course, traditional marketing means, but we also are engaging um, with artists on uh, digital platforms like today. Okay, all right, that sounds exciting. I know we're going to be wrapping up uh, shortly, but I, I just have to say this is phenomenal. And I did wanted to touch a little bit because I read a review saying how impressed the review were of the costumes, mm. the colors mm-hmm. that are involved. How did all of that play in it? What vitality you wanted to burst through in your your dance piece Tiffany yeah well I think um, so what you're referencing is that last uh, May I did a 10-minute excerpt of her at the flea theater because I wanted to start getting people interested in the work but I think it is it's the the vitality and uh, the frustration the pride the hardship the like all of that that we feel as women and I think it's vibrant and it's um, it's it's a lot I it's I mean, I feel like just every day, just waking up as a woman, there's a lot involved in that, good, bad, or indifferent. And I wanted that to be 
shown without judgment. So it's not like, oh, she's having a bad day and that's a bad thing. It's like, no, we, and also, again, it's not a monolith. There's not every woman going through, we're all black women here, we're not going through the same thing in this moment right now. Correct, correct. And so I, I wanted to create a street scene because I wanted to understand the environment that I was going to be putting my lead characters in. And so I was trying to get a feel for me of my reaction to what I understood was the environment of that time and what might some of the emotional, some of those emotions be as we're entering the 20s. So I think that was, um, that's where that came from. Wow, that sounds very exciting. And so, Monique, uh, is this also a new direction for Harlem Stage where you're starting to do more works that are kind of evolving before, you know, like the big show? So, therefore, there's room for experimentation. There's room for change. There's room to incorporate other, you know, influences. Absolutely. E-Moves is uh, celebrating 21 years, so Mm -hmm. I am fortunate to have inherited this festival. Um, One of the things that I, when I look back at the archives, there are many artists that have come through the festival, uh, many choreographers that receive small commissions Mm -hmm. and micro grants, micro commissions, and not enough resources, whether that was financial or um, professional development to finish a work. So one of the pivots that I'm taking in deepening this work is supporting a smaller number of artists in a deeper way. Okay. So that they can actually finish a work mm-hmm. and that work can then move on mm-hmm. and tour yes. and seed the field. Yes. So the uh, partnership and collaboration with um, Alyssa Monte on this project is an example of that. Yes. So they came to the table with some resources. We put some resources mm-hmm. towards it and they can actually finish the work mm-hmm. and have um, the ability to have it reviewed. I mean, yeah. that's all very important to advance the work. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to do is um, to go deeper with artists and really support them, particularly artists of color. They don't have the same um, resources for all the reasons that we know. Yes, mm-hmm. no, uh, this is important because not knocking, you know, funders who give grants, mm-hmm. but they like to offer these tiny little grants that don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they expect so much in return. How can you develop an audience, market, promote, find a venue, get your talent, develop your artwork, and get it done in a six to nine month period with $500? Right. And don't forget the fabulous costumes. Okay. Right. right. So you can't, <laughs> you literally cannot do that. Or even $5,000. Yeah. Yes. When do you bring in a, a, a director or a dramaturge, someone that can help you ask those critical questions uh, so that you can really deepen the work? Oftentimes, the artists are so focused on the product yes. mm-hmm. that they miss all those juicy learnings and you know along the road in the process Mm -hmm. and sometimes with the process and tiffany can speak to this more than i you have to you might have to throw everything away that you've been working on Mm -hmm. and do you have the luxury to do that yes you know and that's what i want to provide for artists i'm so glad you said that because it is a real issue when it comes to the arts particularly in america Mm -hmm. when europe really thoroughly offers better compensation for their artists and curators and producers in America we still have not arrived to the point where we understand the arts is a business as well as an art form and that it needs 
that time. And it's not luxury. It's a necessity to develop quality work. Well, we do that with work that has been deemed high art. So there is work that gets that developmental uh, support, whether that is um, opera or you know, other forms, classical mm-hmm. forms, mm-hmm. European forms, mm-hmm. and I'm not knocking any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we also do it all. Yes. Um, so we need to also lift up the value of art that's still kind of um, identifying itself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's art that doesn't even know what it is yet. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. We had a really good chat today. This was fabulous. Yeah. Thank and I want to give a shout-out to Hannah, whoop, whoop, who helped make this all happen. Yes. And uh, hopefully we'll bring you back next year as you're premiering oh, I would love her that. to talk about the reactions and how you feel about the work after you've completed it. And, and it's no longer a work in progress, yes. but it's a, it's a final work that as you just said, Monique, can travel mm-hmm. and tour absolutely, and evolve. So thank you, ladies, so very, very much. And uh, uh, thank you for also celebrating my fourth anniversary. Woo-hoo! Congratulations. That's something. <laughs> Congratulations. So right enjoy yourselves. And um, have a great day. Thank you. Sunlight hurts my eyes There's something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. We know the joy of giving is its own reward. But who says you can't get something for yourself, too? Now when you buy vanilla Visa gift cards, you can enter to win one of over 10 prizes every week for 10 weeks, including a grand prize of $10,000 in vanilla gift cards. So get gifting and start sharing the delight for more chances to win. Go to get-gifting.com to learn more and enter for your chance to win. Cards are issued by the Bancorp Bank, Metabank, and Sutton Bank, members FDIC, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and may be used in the U.S. everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Terms and conditions apply. Cards distributed and serviced by Income Financial Services, Inc., which is licensed as a money transmitter by the New York State Department of Financial Services. NMLS ID number 912772.